Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Teach Rough the Film Buff Podcast. This will be a review of Game of Thrones Season 8, Episode 5, titled The Bells. No, it's not titled The Last War like many thought it would be, but um, the title certainly fits. And let's get right into um, this episode, which was essentially one of the more audacious, shocking disturbing, ultimately depressing and sad episodes of Game of Thrones we've ever had. Um, as if the show couldn't get any more controversial after last week's uh, episode and all the controversy that everyone seemed to uh, bring up online, which I thought was mostly unfounded. But anyway, let's get right to it with Daenerys. There's no real sense in, in waiting to... Uh, discuss the the biggest moments of the episode and the, the biggest character turn that is Daenerys's ultimate turn into the Mad Queen. Um, if you think that this wasn't coming, if you think that this wasn't uh, the right decision to make with her character or not in character at all, you haven't been paying attention. And I constantly go back to what Ramsay said to Theon in season three when he was torturing him. Um, if you, if you think this has a happy ending, you haven't been paying attention. Game of Thrones has never been one to completely divulge into fan service. Yes, sure. There's a couple of fan service scenes here and there with something like, you know, Brienne and Jamie last week, or even the Clegane Bowl this week, but they're never going to do things just because the fans want them to do it or just because it's the most expected and, and perhaps smart thing to do. Um, man, is it bold to make Daenerys the ultimate big bad of this show. And and whether or not she is, you know, ultimately turned into a villain in the end, I mean, you certainly can make the case that after this episode, there's no turning back. Um, but I still believe Cersei was the best villain the show's ever had. The Night King's great, but he doesn't compare to Cersei in the, in the slightest. Which is why I was always curious as to what the last episode would be. You figured this episode was going to end with some sort of resolution with Cersei. Um, but, but what does a finale consist of if it's an hour and a half long of just wrap-up? You know, I mean, Lord of the Rings has like 10 endings, but it's not an hour and a half long worth of endings. It's 10 to 15 minutes, perhaps. So you, you just always, I always wondered what that last episode would be. And now, as we see Daenerys went full Mad Queen, there's really only one way this can end, and it's with her death. But um, going back to the fact that people don't think that this is, you know, something perhaps that uh, was worthy of her character or her character was, um, you know, really meant to do, there's so many different times in the show's history that they've teased that this is something that Daenerys has had in her the whole time. I know Dan and Dave, after the episode, talked about how every single time one of her enemies dies, she's never really been one for mercy or, um, you know, not necessarily had compassion for the people she's killed. Um, going back to her brother or the witch in season one that, that uh, essentially cursed her and her family. Um, but, but even looking at season two in the house of the undying, you know, she has that vision, which essentially does come to pass in this episode of, of walking through the red keeps throne room. Um, and with, you know, th there's no ceiling anymore. The roof is completely off. It looks like she's walking in snow up and to up towards the throne. But it, you know, in hindsight, it's more likely ash that she's, 
um, looking at considering what happened in this episode. And and that's that's really the fir- one of the first main clues as to what's coming. What, what else would be able to do that? It's it, I don't know. The, the White Walkers are powerful, but I'm not sure that they would have even with a dragon would have been able to to do the damage that Danny did in in this episode. Um, and these are all things I found on EW's article about uh, seven times Game of Thrones essentially foreshadowed Daenerys' dark turns. That was number one in the House of the Undying. Um, and then you had um, – you look at the – even when she's in Marine in season four when she finds all of the, the slave children crucified, they're all on the crosses, she decides to crucify 163 masters. Again, they're slave masters, so don't get me wrong. It's not like it's the upright wrong decision to make, but she – crucifies them in retaliation without any regard for their individual guilt or innocence. And again, this is found on EW.com. She's advised to be more merciful. Um, And even you have that one uh, character later on asking Daenerys to to take his father off the cross because he was actually an innocent man. He, uh, he pledged against slavery. So she just crucifies those slavers without, without even really asking their side of the story. So that's, one massive, massive massacre that she committed. Um, going back to season five, when Sir Barristan was killed, you know the the battle with the Sons of the Harpy in that uh, the tunnel, almost with the uh, Grey Worm. There, she brings you know three of the masters to the Dragon Pit. All of them swear they had nothing to do with it. She burns one of them alive simply to send a message to the others. We don't even know if that man was guilty, innocent, you know, whatever. Again, these people are, you know, uh, they have the correlations to slaves. You know, it's they're not good people, but she's once again showing no mercy. Um, then you have, you know, in season six when she uh, comes out of Viastothrak for the second time uh, after not being burnt and kills all the people, uh, all the Dothraki in that little uh, hut there. It, again, not necessarily good people. They were planning on raping her and killing her, but uh, again, just massacring people, um, not really doing the, her due diligence and and going through the the process of justice. Um, after she returns to Mirian, you have the city under attack from the slave cities, and and this is again on EW.com. Her first instinct, and I quote, is she says, I will crucify the masters. I will set their fleets afire. I will kill every last one of their soldiers and return their cities to the dirt. That's my plan. And ultimately, Tyrion does talk her out of that plan. Um, she doesn't ultimately do that. She, of course, burns uh, you know many people with Drogon and the other dragons um, in that season in that episode but that's you know ultimately uh, that was her first instinct and, and then again of course it's been uh, i've talked this one into the ground but when she burns the tarleys in season seven um you know she has the choice she can imprison him or lord tarley and dick on tarley but she decides not to she executes them both in front of everyone um in front of all the lannister soldiers because she wants to send a message and and that's that's only in the you know first seven seasons. There's many times in season eight that she's wanted to go to King's Landing, wanted to just uh, instill fear into the the, the capital, um, essentially death by power. Um, she wants to show all of her power to everyone. Ultimately, 
gets uh, convinced otherwise by Tyrion or Varys or somebody else. But it's just very interesting that people online are thinking that that's not something in character when literally the show has been telling you that's who her character is for eight seasons. It's more of the fact that the show has presented her as more of a heroic figure uh, with the music choices they've made or with um, the, the the performances that they tell Amelia Clark to give as Daenerys or the direction that they choose to show when she's committing these acts. So sure, ultimately, excuse me, ultimately it does look more vicious in hindsight. Um, but, but that's not, that's not to say that it wasn't in her all along. Oh man. I mean, I, I'm just still shocked that they actually did go this route though. I mean, it's completely bold. And I also think that, um, you know, some something to go along with everything that I just mentioned with Daenerys, it's it's worth bringing up a tweet that I saw from Dan Merle over at Screen Junkies. Um, his tweet following the episode was, "Who'd have thought a main character's flaws and emotional blind spots would prove to be their tragic downfall, despite others around them warning them of the dire consequences of their actions? It's almost like a recurring theme of the show, and." That is completely true. You think about how many characters on the show have ultimately died because of, um, you know, their 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 flaws, their their weakness. Okay, sure, maybe some characters' weaknesses are better than Daenerys's weakness, but um, you know, you have Ned dying because of his honor. You have Catelyn essentially dying because of the 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 fact that she let Jamie go, and that kind of unraveled everything with Rob's army. You have Rob dying because he. Uh, his flaw was love. He went for love with Talisa. You have Stannis uh, dying similar thing to Daenerys because he ultimately believed he was the one for the throne. He believed he had to do everything he could to obtain that throne, which would include killing his own daughter. So you have this has always been a theme of the show to to present uh, main characters, whether they're likable or not, um, as their downfalls ultimately being as a result of their flaws coming to an end. So I found that that was also a, a nice tweet um, to, to go in, to coincide with everything else. And, and it really is completely inevitable, that entire situation. I, I don't want to spend too much time on Daenerys here, but it's very akin to the Red Wedding. Um, you know, looking back on it, everything that happened leading up to that Red Wedding, as I said, with Robin and Catelyn, it's inevitable. It, you, they should have seen it coming. Um, and so, so should the audience with Daenerys's arc here. It was inevitable in hindsight. There's all these clues. Um, and really, they were presenting it to you, and you just had to pay attention. You just had to pay attention. But uh, quickly going over some of the quieter scenes in this episode, you have Varys dying after he sends out some letters that may come back into play next week as, as some other people around the Seven Kingdoms may now know of Jon's true heritage. We'll see if that comes to pass or if they actually elect to elaborate on on Varys's, uh letters that he was writing to everybody. And I love his one of his last lines is, you know, I hope I deserve this. Um, you know, I hope I'm wrong about her and everything. And, and well, he proved to be right as Varys often is about people. He knows the people and he's essentially, uh, the, the, the people figure in this episode. You, you have him dying within the first 10 minutes or so 
um, by fire to Drogon, and that's kind of giving you a hint as to what the situation will be like for the rest of the episode as almost every single civilian in King's Landing was ultimately burnt to the crisp with Daenerys overhead of the city. So that's just, once again, the show telling you what's about to happen without you really realizing it. Um, you, you have earlier on in the episode with John kind of denying Danny the, the love that she wants. Um, you know, and she, I really do feel for Daenerys in that scene. Amelia Clark does a great job of, of, of performing in that scene of what she says, you know, let it be fear because they, nobody loves me, uh, in the city. They, they're not going to love me. They're going to fear me or whatever she says. I mean, uh, it's, it's very, very tragic. Hey, you know, you look at many characters in the show having a, a tragic arc, Jamie being one of them, and we'll get to him a little bit later. But uh, Daenerys's arc is ultimately maybe the most tragic the show's ever had because she had everything in her grasp. If she just goes right to King's Landing at the end of season six, um, when in the Winds of Winter episode, when she's on that boat, if she just goes right to King's Landing, uses her three dragons, uses the armies she has on the boat to kill um, Cersei's armies or lack thereof, she wins. The show's over in season seven. Um, you know, ultimately Daenerys breaks the wheel and sits on the throne. But that wasn't that wasn't what she chose to do. She chose to go back home to Dragonstone to regroup, um, and then of course she hears out Jon Snow. Um, at the at the, the suggestion of Tyrion, um, ultimately everything that happened to her, she had nothing left to live for, and that's that's why she did what she did in this episode. So, and it's just that little moment with John that gives you that extra bit of empathy for for Danny uh, and the, for the rest of the episode. Uh, you also have Tyrion and Jaime. Um, this is ultimately their last scene together, and it's a nice callback to both Jamie being tied up on his own in season two uh, for the, with the Stark army, and, and it, as well as when Jamie freed Tyrion um, back in season four. So that was a nice kind of callback, kind of role reversal. Now Tyrion's freeing Jamie. Half expected that plan to not work out. Daenerys would be waiting outside of the tent or something like that, especially since she said the next time you betray me will be your last time. Um, ultimately, they got past that. Jamie got into the city, but that was a great scene of, of Jamie ultimately, um, you know, giving Tyrion that last hug, that last speech about Cersei and Tyrion saying that Jamie's the only one who really got him through the childhood. If it wasn't for Jamie, Tyrion wouldn't have been alive. It's uh, that was that was a really nice scene. So I enjoyed that. Then you have uh, another kind of quieter but integral uh, point of the episode: Cersei and Jamie finally back together. Finally, uh, Jamie finally vulnerable again, as well as Cersei. And really, the only other time you've seen Cersei this vulnerable in the show is when she's um, going through her walk of punishment after she she gets uh, imprisoned by the High Sparrow and she's doing her walk from this, the, uh, I can't even remember what it's called now, but where uh, the, the Faith of the Seven are all the way into uh, the, the Capitol building in King's Landing there. So, um, yeah, that's the only time. In this episode, you have Cersei saying right there at the end, which shows her humanity uh, finally back instilled in her that she doesn't want to die. She doesn't want to die. She wants her child to live and and you know, whether it's right or not, I did feel empathy for Cersei in that moment. Um, because you, you just oppose that 
happening with right above them with Daenerys, who we thought was a heroic figure in the show, um, going through the streets of King's Landing, burning everyone, um, and not even seeing her face at this point. I thought that was a brilliant directional choice to after she decides to go towards the Red Keep, you never see Amelia Clark's face again through the episode. She's just essentially an evil figure from above that, that everyone in the streets sees and, and fears. That was a really nice moment, and, and especially it was juxtaposed with Cersei dying in the arms of Jamie as they both wanted to die um, below the Red Keep there. So um, yeah, a couple other characters I should mention, Arya and the Hound, they have their last you know episode together. I love that she finally calls him Sandor and says thank you after she after he convinces her not to go and kill Cersei because she's already dead anyway. I mean, ultimately, I did kind of want Arya to have and uh, to play a role in the death of Cersei or really somebody else other than Jamie just holding her while they get crushed. Maybe it's like a Jamie Arya team up. Yeah, sure, that probably would be would have been fan service. Would have felt a little clunky in hindsight now, but. Um, but I, I ultimately was glad that that Arya didn't decide to go towards Cersei, and she uh, almost kind of leaves death behind in a way. I know that the white horse at the end uh, is a way in some cultures of symbolizing death, so it's interesting to um, think about that as it compares to what she might be doing in next week's episode, um, as well as her arc in this week's episode, that she kind of finally puts that behind her. Um, but I, I enjoyed that. I thought that was the right move. She is a, a human after all. She's a Stark. They have good hearts in them. Uh, probably the only family in the show that every character in their family has a good heart. <coughs> Excuse me, but, uh, that was a great scene. Of course, that leads up to what we've all been waiting for. What could possibly be the biggest fan service moment in the entire show. And that's Clegane Bowl. This was an absolute brawl. Brutal, violent, um, just satisfying end to both the characters' arcs. I love, I love the mountain killing Kyburn in a matter of a second, squeezing his neck and then throwing him again. I mean, that was that was fantastic, and and Kyburn completely deserved it. Um, but but I love the back and forth between the Hound and the Mountain, and ultimately death by fire, which is the exact right death that should happen between the two considering that the hound's arc essentially started before the show began as the mountain when he was a child pushed uh sandor's face into the fire after he stole one of his toys so a uh, great great way to end their arc and um just a brilliantly shot sequence too with the dragon flying in the background a couple times and the broken staircase just that was um really powerful um, and lastly, probably should mention kind of everybody on the ground. You have John fighting with the Northern Army against the Lannisters and the Golden Company, who got pushed to the side relatively quick. Um, but um, you have everybody on the ground, and eventually they're joined by Arya. Um, everybody's kind of trying to protect the innocent, except for some Northern soldiers that John ultimately had to kill because they were about to rape and, and kill some civilians. That was pretty brutal to watch. And, um, just brutal, but amazing cinematography and direction from Miguel Sapochnik, who of course directed Battle of Winterfell, the Long Night episode a couple weeks back. 
And um, he should really be getting all the credit in the world. This guy's directed some of the best episodes of Game of Thrones history. Um, and really happy to say that this may be my favorite episode that Game of Thrones has ever done. I have to go back and rewatch a couple more times. But it, it, it feels like a, certainly the boldest, um, the ballsiest, um, most shocking episode probably since the Red Wedding. So... Yeah, I mean, on the ground especially. When you see Daenerys flying the dragon overhead of them, just going through street upon street upon street, um, burning everything possibly in sight. And John's horrified. Davos is horrified. Arya's horrified. I mean, we've only seen her scared once before, and that was a couple weeks back when um, all the undead army was chasing chasing her through the, the halls of Winterfell there. So... Just powerful, powerful stuff, and you have to wonder what this means for next week. And I guess I should probably end on some of the notes I have here about some of the questions I have for next week, which is ultimately who kills Daenerys? I mean, she has to die, right? There's no possible way this show ends with her on the throne. Um, Is it Jon? Is it Tyrion? Um, I could see Tyrion having that moment, or maybe Jon and Tyrion. But how does John even factor into this? They're right in the streets of King's Landing. How does he ultimately, does he just get out of there, go back to Winterfell, regroup, kind of time travel a little bit? Or not time travel, but speed travel, as as everybody says in the show, how you go from one castle to another that used to be two weeks is now, you know, ultimately a day or whatever. It doesn't really matter to me. Ultimately, if the show gets to the, the point it needs to, that's, that's what counts. We don't need eight episodes of Arya and the Hound walking around the, the King's Road trying to get to King's Landing or anything like that. You know, we're not at that point anymore. It was great seasons ago. It's not not so great now. So, uh, but but I don't I don't know. I don't know how it factors in. I can't see it really being Arya to kill Danny. I know everyone still has the Green Eyes theory that Melisandre told her that she would shut Green Eyes one day. Um, you know, Cersei had Green Eyes. I guess Daenerys has Green Eyes too, but. I don't really see that happening. She didn't have enough connection to Daenerys. Ultimately, it feels like it's Jon's kill to to have here, especially with the Zora High prophecy, Prince of His Promise, whatever, about bringing uh, upon Dawn by killing your love through their heart and bringing uh, Lightbringer, the sword, the flaming sword or whatever, probably too, too in-depth for the show. They've never really gone that um, far in with any sort of prophecies, but it does feel like the perfect moment for John to actually commit the act. We'll see. We'll see how they how they do it though, because you know I did predict that Jamie would ultimately be the one to kill Cersei, and that's not really what happened. I guess you can say that, um, but not really. So I don't want to make too many predictions. But how does the North factor into all this? We didn't even see anybody in the North this week. How does so? Uh, I was about to say Sophie Turner. How does Sansa play into into all this? Brienne, Podrick, everybody else there. Is Gendry still there? I mean, how do they factor into the last episode? Do we have some closure with that? Do we have closure with Bran? Uh, I know everybody wants closure with Bran and how people think that his powers were ultimately useless. I don't really believe that. He, he had a lot to... Um, provide with the Night King, but I, you know, and also how does Drogon play into all this? Because there's no scorpions left. They can't really kill the dragon by that. Does does Drogon just die when Danny dies? Is it like a, you know, her presence being gone? Does he just 
fly off and, and do whatever he wants to do, just leave everything behind. I don't know how that works because I can't see a human killing a, a dragon ultimately, unless there's something down there in the Red Keep which, which isn't destroyed that could kill Drogon. I highly doubt it, but uh, does wildfire play a factor in all of this? You saw a couple spurts of wildfire pop up throughout the city when, when she was burning everything, so I'm not sure. Maybe there's more wildfire left there. Um, Grey Worm? How does this Grey Worm story end? It feels like he's almost past the point of redemption now, too. He just wants to kill anybody in sight. Or does he go uh, back to what he told Masande and kind of return to to Narth, I believe, is it, to, and kind of fulfill what Masande wanted to do after... Um, essentially after the war was over. But I guess the last question is, does Danny break the wheel or has she really already broken the wheel or does she just want to be the tyrant that she claims that she never was going to be and, and, and ultimately, you know, fulfill the mad queen even more. I mean, I just can't see her living. She has to die next week. So we'll see a lot of questions to ponder. We'll probably have even more next week. I can't imagine fitting, Next week's episode into 30 minutes, we'll probably have to break it up into a couple of segments. But wow, I mean, another another 10 out of 10 from me. Um, shocking, disturbing, audacious, sad. All of the things I said uh, right at the top there, they're all true. Can't believe that episode. Cannot believe that episode. All right, signing off now. Until next time. Thanks.